And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thrilled to be back on recording. Thrilled. It's been a, it's been a little bit over a week. The holidays sort of took over my life, and I think I just want a little bit of a break from thinking about my podcast. So it's really exciting to be back on the air. It's probably the first few days of 2020 you'll be listening to this, so welcome to 2020. Happy New Year. Thrilled that Los Santos has joined me on the podcast. We recorded this about a week or two ago, so I'm going to post it the very last day of 2019. So whether you're listening to it 2019 or 2020, Happy New Year. Really thrilled. I don't want this intro to be too long. I do want to record another podcast in a few days, but I'm just, I'm thrilled that you all have been supporting my show. I'm really passionate about creating more conversation and talking about the complexity of social media, technology on our lives, and finding more quiet time, finding friends to communicate with, not through DMs or texting, but actual face-to-face conversations. And I really enjoyed this talk that I had with Lo. I've wanted her, I've wanted to have her on the show for a little while, but she's just been so busy. She was working two jobs and now she's really not working much at all. So she had a lot more time to come over here and talk. So honestly, this conversation, it sort of embodies a lot of what I'm trying to fulfill with my podcast beyond just sort of sharing my opinions on the world. I'm wanting to humanize us again. I feel like technology has sort of watered us down into robots or we behave like we have to behave a certain way or we're not talking or thinking or listening. And so I've been reminded and hopefully my show is reminding you about the power of conversation And that's truly how you get to know somebody and create a connection with somebody. I just love the way the conversation flows. You get to know her for the first 30, 40 minutes, where she came from, her point of view. And then we dive in and talk about social media and technology and how we sort of handle it. I'm just really blessed that Lo took the time to talk to me. We She's an incredible dancer, by the way. I met her through lit method, which is this low intensity workout facility out here in LA. I met her probably about two years ago. But the one thing you'll notice about Lo, she's got a ton of energy, but she can freaking dance like you can't believe. I mean, when she's teaching class, I got the sense that she was an incredible dancer. And sure enough, she is, you know, I went on Instagram and and went online and checked her out. And she's a freaking amazing dancer, incredibly talented passionate about dance. She's from Guam. She ended up traveling all the way to New York. She's been in dance academies. I think that's the right word. Um, That's the other thing. I didn't know too much about dance. So I was able to get to know the world of dance and what you're trying to do and accomplish when you're a dancer. So it was really a great conversation. We probably could have talked a lot more about fitness also, but I sort of wanted to go more down the dance world because probably I didn't know a lot about it, but it's a great talk and she's incredible. You can find her on Instagram at Lorena or Lorena 22. And she's going to be teaching at a new 
fitness facility very soon, but I can't tell you where yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if she's just kicking ass and like in a bunch of music videos and performing a bunch of dance stuff and shooting videos, because I get the sense that's where her world is going to be heading in the next like few months. So anyway, just great conversation. Stoked you're listening. I'm going to record another podcast very soon in the next few days, but just something I'm thinking about. And I think I want you to think about it before that next podcast drops. And Lo and I sort of touch on it a little bit, but it's this concept of wanting to do something or feeling as though you have to do something. And I get the sense that technology and the world we live in, it feels as though you have to be on social media. You have to be on Twitter or you have to be on your phone all the time. You have to be readily available. You have to be on Instagram. I'm wondering how many of us want to do those things. And I think that's something that I've been really thinking about the last few months, specifically with my podcast. You know, do you want to do something or do you feel as though you have to? And I realize we all have to make compromises sometimes, and we can't do what we want all the time. But if somebody follows you on Instagram, do you want to follow them back, or do you feel as though you have to? If you're a dancer or an artist or a musician, do you want to be on Instagram and social media all the time, promoting yourself? Or is it something that you feel as though you have to do, because that's sort of the culture that I feel as though we've created Or maybe Google and Amazon and Instagram have created this culture and we don't feel like we have any choice. We just have to give in. It's just something I've been thinking about. Lo and I touch on it a little bit. It's it's this strange dichotomy, I feel like, as artists, where I think in a perfect world, we just want to work on our craft. But technology and Instagram, they've made us feel as though we have to spend our free time posting incessantly on social media. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Anyway, just something I've been thinking about. I'll be recording another podcast where I dive in a little bit more about this. I'm obviously very passionate about these types of conversations and these types of thoughts and trying to figure this all out. So anyway, as always, thank you so much for listening to and supporting the show. You can support the show directly at my Patreon, which is, which is patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. Please message me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn and say hello, ask questions, tell me if you like the show or you didn't like the show or things you are thinking I should consider talking about. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eddie Cohn. Please say hello. I love it when listeners reach out. And I'm also getting the sense that people are connecting with what I'm talking about, but they're scared to say these kinds of things. And again, I'm not saying that in any sort of self-indulgent or egocentric way that I'm doing something that you can't do. But I feel as though we live in this world now where we can't criticize or we can't say something could be different or we feel as though we have to conform to what everybody else is doing. And I, I guess I guess my point is, is that we're sort of losing sight of the individualistic qualities that human beings can and should have. So anyway, I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much to Lo for taking the time. You can find her on Instagram. And as always, really stoked you've been supporting the show. 
for the last like year and a few months, and I'm excited for 2020. I got some great guests already lined up. But for now, I hope you enjoy the conversation with Los Santos. As always, thanks so much for being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. What's so random today is that I spoke to somebody who is from Guam. Oh, really? Who? Just a random, like, at my um, my friend who works in advertising, he was looking for somebody to mm. get involved in a marketing project. And he has a friend who is from Guam. And I, I don't remember the person's name. But I think you're from Guam. Yeah. And so I went on to, like, Google. I'm like, where the fuck is Guam? Because I, <laughs> I didn't really know. Uh, in the middle of nowhere. It's literally in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Wow. So how long did you live there for? I I mean, I grew up there so till I was about 17. Okay. Um, and then I went to college in Hawaii. So I just jumped islands, basically. <laughs> but what was it like? I mean, I get a little freaked out going to Hawaii. I mean, it's been years. There's, I, have, I get like island fever for yeah. sure. So yeah. That, I mean, did you know that you were in the middle of nowhere? Not really. I mean, you kind of just like you're in your literally you're in your own world. And definitely at the yeah. time that I was growing up, we our access to the outside was a lot less than it is now. So I feel like maybe now the kids maybe don't notice it quite as much outside of the flying in and out. But um, like internet was dial up. So I couldn't really use the internet ever. Um, the most that we would see the outside world is when we go on like dance competitions, but even like our, uh, TV shows and stuff were like two months late. Cause it was always a recording right. from the mainland and then we would get it and we'd be watching Christmas shows in like February. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just, you kind of just don't notice until you leave. So probably every summer it was always this like mind blowing, event of just like, whoa, there's all these other things that are around and all these other things that you could potentially do. But to leave the island, it's just really expensive. Right. And I mean, the trip is long. Like it, you can't even get there straight from here. You'd have to fly through Hawaii or through Japan or even the Philippines and, right. then, and then to Guam. I mean, I want to get to like tech and social media and stuff, but I'm, I'm just, I, I'm fascinated by people that grow up somewhere that to me is yeah. just so different because I grew up from Ohio which is right. really freaking boring no so, I mean I, so many great things come out of Ohio I feel like there's I've, a lot of great dancers and yeah. like sports definitely for sure and um lots of great comedians mm-hmm. um, and suddenly I'm so I know I'm forgetting all of them right now but oh I know Halle Berry's from Ohio yeah see yeah but I think like did you why why did your mom and dad live there um, well, my dad's originally from there. Okay. Um, and then when he met my mom, he wanted me to grow up there because, I mean, family there is just one so big and two, like my two family names are like huge. So, and my mom was like, well, my family's really small. It'd be really great for her, for her to have that experience to, to grow up on, on an island. And it, and it really is, I mean, it is, I mean, obviously it's an American territory right um so there's so there is a level of like there was mcdonald's there was you know there's like there's all those things but you know there's such a high it is like hawaii where like culture is just so important and um the land is important and you know you have great things like being able to go to the beach and i mean you can get anywhere on the island in like half an hour yeah Um, so it's small 
It's really small. It's like wow. eight and a half miles long. Or okay. no, sorry, eight and a half miles wide, 32 miles long, something yeah. like that. I know you're a dancer, mm-hmm. but like when, so it just, what was it, what were you into growing, growing up. up? Yeah. Um, well, I was really, well, one, I was like really accident prone, like probably in my first like five years of life, I like broke three different bones. Um, so my mom wasn't like super keen on me playing outside as much as I liked to, cause I think she just wanted to bring more coordination in my life, I right. guess. And so she put me in dance when I was like five. Okay. Really? Um, at the time there were only like two studios. There was the jazz studio and then there was the ballet studio. Um, she attempted at one point to try to put me in the ballet studio, but I was just not like about it. Um, yeah. and so I kind of stayed with the jazz studio. Plus I knew they went on competition and, um, it was super competitive and they got to perform a lot. Like that studio in general was like performing and like Guam has this, had this thing of having us perform like everywhere, like at baby showers. Um, <laughs> we perform in the street. We perform like when president Clinton came, like it was kind of cool that way. Um, so it did open a lot more doors than I think, uh, we were really expecting. And even though I wanted to do sports, like I wanted to play rugby, but it was, she was kind of like, you either do this and you invest your time in this or you do this. You can't have both sort of thing. So if you want to do rugby, you drop dance. And if you want to do dance, that means that's what you do. Yeah. So yeah, just kind of kept with it. And I feel like it gave me a lot of opportunities to leave and see what else is out there. Not that it's bad to stay back on Guam. It's just, you know, you kind of, run out of options a little bit. Like you're like, okay, well, I guess at some point I would stop dancing and then maybe I could teach at the studio, but then maybe I would, I don't know, start my own business. I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard to say now what I would do, but, um, at the time it just seemed like I needed to go. So, I mean, were you doing like dance competition? Mm -hmm. When you say though, other, I mean, it's not simple to just like hop on a plane. It's like a five hour flight, at least anywhere. right? It's like, I mean, it's an eight-hour flight to Hawaii. Okay, wow. And then another, what, five, six hours to get to even just California. Right, um, and yeah. we And we definitely went on competition. Like, we went to Canada. We went to, oh um, like, all across the U.S. Like, we actually didn't go to a lot of, like, West Coast co- competitions. We went to a lot of, like, East Coast competitions. So that flight was even more so. And most uh, studios, like, in the mainland, they can go to one competition, go back home, go to another, go back home. And because it was so expensive. I mean, leaving Guam is probably like 2,500 minimum, Yeah, you know, it, if that, um, so we would leave probably for like six weeks at a time during the summer to just accomplish like as many competitions, usually two, right. we'd usually do like one that was like maybe on the easier quote unquote side. Sure. Um, and then one that was like harder. Um, but she just tried to, our director just tried to like maximize our time away. Cause if we were spending that much money, might as well go for as long as possible. And I feel like she did a really good job at also just like exposing us to, we took classes at Broadway Dance Center. We like, you know, she took us to just like random places, saw shows, things along those lines, just tried to also like use it, I think as education. But yeah, so competition was, I mean, we really like, we really trained for competition. And every time we left, it was like, this challenge of, Oh my God, we're so behind. We have to get better every time Mm. we would see kids on the mainland. So yeah, because you really didn't have much to compare yourself to. Yeah. You're sort of in your bubble. Legit. (laughs) And we really, and you know, we didn't really have like YouTube videos. I mean, we kind of did. Um, Not really, not really, not as much um, as they do now. Like they're so lucky to have 
like, I mean, in an essence, like Instagram has been a huge like blessing for them because they have that access to see, Oh, okay. What's current. What do they need to like work on? Like us, I felt like we were kind of in some ways like a year behind always because we would see what they've been doing throughout the year. And then we would go back and train in that. And then the next year we'd see all the new things that they were doing. Um, but we, but we also were really lucky. I think she did a good job at bringing like current choreographers or like emerging choreographers to come to Guam. So that was also our like outlet to know kind of like what's hot, what we should be doing, how we should be training. Um, but overall it was kind of sometimes like a guessing game of like, okay, I think yeah. we're on the right track. A little now bit. this wasn't like related to high school. This was its own no, like extracurricular own, yeah, thing. Own separate thing, but it but, definitely felt like a job <laughs> like, yeah. for sure. Like, well, it sounds like they were pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, she taught, like they really set, a, set the tone for like just discipline and training. And sometimes I even look back and I think like how she was able to get that many kids and that many parents like on board with, with the amount of commitment that we had. I mean, we had, I mean, we had practice like every day straight after school weekends. We usually had two to four shows and yeah, we tried to like, you know, we still wanted to be, especially when we got to high school, we still want to be kids and like go to parties and whatever. But like, but if it came down to like rehearsal, we all knew that we were there. If we had to stay to like, there was one time I think we stayed to like one, two o'clock in the morning um, because there was a visiting choreographer and like everyone was just cool with it like parents were fine I think like everyone just kind of was like yes but I think because to a certain extent she kind of made it seem like there was this like bigger reason and bigger power because of the fact that we were so removed and because it is so hard to leave and because I think like our access was just so much more limited to train like that and work like that, what became sort of like a, you have to, otherwise, yeah. otherwise you will just end up staying back home. And it almost feels like though, because you were in Guam, you guys really needed to sort of, and then you're traveling everywhere. Mm-hmm. You really needed to create like a family. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or else it, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I think my group, especially we really, cause I think that was the one, not one of the first times, but we started doing really well. Yeah. Um, we were super lucky. We had like the one guy from Guam that, um, went off and went to Juilliard and, um, danced for like Baryshnikov. He decided to come back probably around the time I was like just entering high school. Um, and he really started to train us. And I felt like we all kind of saw like, Oh wow. We're one, we're like training more effectively. And two, we're doing better when we're leaving. So then that kind of made us want to continuously grow. I mean, when we went to Europe, we were on a bus with each other for like legit six weeks. So So you guys even went all the way to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really the whole And did you win competitions? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So you guys were definitely really good. Yeah. I mean, you know what it was? We weren't the most technical. Like I wouldn't say that we were like, you you know, you weren't going to see like the greatest legs, the greatest like turns, technique, anything like that. But like the one thing that we knew how to do was perform and dance with each other. That would probably be some of the biggest lessons that I like took with me outside of like discipline and hard work and like, you know, kind of never stopping, but also just like the, the, effectiveness of being like an artist and a performer 
can in some ways like trump the best technician in the world because at the end of the day like a regular person doesn't understand what it means to have your leg by your head but they will yeah. understand a smile on your face they will understand like a softness in your chest could be vulnerable you know and those are the things that people i think just respond more to i don't want to get too far ahead but i i started taking your class at lit probably a couple of years ago yeah and i joined class pass for a couple of reasons one was to um i was just burning out on yoga because i was teaching yoga i was just doing too much yoga i feel you <laughs> and but i also just had started teaching yoga and although I wanted to sort of learn what other teachers were doing. Mm -hmm. And I really responded to a couple people at Training Mates. And I really responded to you because you had this energy where, you know, sometimes working out, you don't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, like most people don't, yeah. including myself. <laughs> yeah. So having a teacher that is has a big smile, plays good music, and is fun, mm -hmm. it gets me through it. Mm -hmm. And although yoga, I can't really have that fun, over-the-top energy that one may right. have at like lit or training me. Right. But I do realize like, it's one thing that I, I, I guess I'm kind of naturally that way, but I wasn't shy about cracking jokes in a yoga class. Like it's mm -hmm. okay to add some levity. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so, I mean, speaking with yoga, like I feel like the, the yoga classes that were always my favorite that I responded to, I'm not the biggest yogi, but like, you know, it, it does help me. I sure. know that the ones that I really responded to were the ones that were just like people at the yeah. end of the day. And like, it is an escape. Like I think going to, especially going to a group fitness class in any sort of sense, it is an escape for yourself. But at the end of the day, like there is someone there and, and you're not really working out by yourself and you go there to have like an experience, you go there to, to be pushed to a certain extent, or at least have the option to be pushed. Cause that's really what it is. It's not like a requirement that you have to do everything that I'm saying, but right. you know, if you did, that would be great. Yeah, <laughs> and definitely. you might, and you might learn something different about yourself. And, and I think the energy, like most instructors, I think get caught in this sort of like just needing to maybe make it really hard or or just kind of needing to tell people what they need to do instead of just having them enjoy the experience because if you don't enjoy it why would they come back if you yeah. it's like double edged sword i guess like you you want to work out but you also want to like it <laughs> well yeah i think i i think there's a way of communicating and you do it and um Leo. Right. Leo is definitely doing it too. And somebody, I forget the guy's name. Gosh. There is a way of getting somebody to do something challenging mm -hmm. without being a drill sergeant. Yeah. And it's something, I don't know if you can be taught it, but I think, or maybe you can, but I respond to being challenged, but not being yelled at right. to do it. Right. But yeah. that's also to each his own. I mean, like there's, there were people who didn't love my, my like excessive perkiness, you know, <laughs> right. they, they wanted, you know, some people also, you know, respond to more of a male energy. Um, and they want that drill sergeant because also, I mean, even when new instructors would come in, uh, especially female, because I, what I did is I, I took mostly Justin, who's the owner, mm -hmm. um, when I first started and I, and I was like, oh, I got to do, I have to be just like that. I have to, it was kind of my first, it, it was my first fitness gig. So I was still finding who I was in that first like six months. And so I only took him for a good amount of the time, 
But I kept finding that like, if I tried to do the way that he did it, I didn't get the same response. And I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. But then the times that I was finding that I was really just being myself and doing the, the way that I, I love it and the way that I know that I would respond, those were the times that I found that I had more retention and people were happier and I could still incorporate things that he did. But the thing that I would always say is that it is very different being a woman and, and being like a drill sergeant. It's very, it's, Mm. you have to be that kind of woman. I'm not like, I mean, I'm a hard, like I'm, I am hard and I can be demanding, but like the, the sound of my voice doesn't necessarily like give that. And it may come off in a way that I don't want it to. And I don't want it to come Mm. off as mean that I'm trying to push you. I'm just trying to come off as like challenging. backtrack though so how in the heck do you get do you go to college in hawaii i did okay so was that scary yeah i mean it was kind of really last minute decision because my mom actually wanted me to stay an extra year on guam and do a pageant um miss guam tourism and she like found this like random shop on guam to like want to sponsor me and all of this and i and i was dating you know probably classic story but i was dating a guy in high school that i was like obsessed with (laughs) and he had applied to a school in hawaii and um so i i applied to uh and got in and i was like okay i'm gonna go (laughs) like kind of i literally applied probably like right before the deadline um the very final deadline not like early admission um because not again not a lot of people really talked about college not that it wasn't in under the assumption that i was i had the option to go to college but for some reason like i don't feel like i was ever really like sat down and been like okay this is the year that we're really going to start prepping for college and you know my mom i think kind of took me on a college trip once um but it wasn't like as emphasized oddly Mm. enough um so i kind of just got there and it was scary because i think i just I wasn't even sure like what I was going to do. I just sort of like knew I wanted to leave. And Hawaii also seemed like the next best thing because it was still an island and it was, but it was like America. Sure. (laughs) Um, It was bigger. It felt more fast paced at the time. Um, Were you and your mom like, and were you even thinking like, what I want to do for a living and I want to do like dance for a living. Was, yeah. Was that I mean, I of... had always said, yeah, I want to dance. I want to dance. But I think that I saw a shelf life with it because I only saw one side of dance. I only saw like competition dance, which then, you know, I saw other dancers go to LA and do the whole like, you know, music videos and yeah. things like that and get an agent. And, um, so I knew kind of about that side of the world, but I just, I wasn't sure if that's like totally what I wanted. And I thought, that I needed to do something that had more longevity to it. So when I first um, was going to college, I enrolled um, in business. um, And I was taking like some dance classes on the side just because I still wanted to, I was taking ballet because I like had just started taking ballet and I was like, Oh, this is great. Like there's so much I need to learn. I'm so behind. So I was taking that. I took modern, which I had never taken. And then I joined the dance team. So I still like kept dance around. Oh yeah. But was technically enrolled in business but then as as like the first year went by I found like the next semester I was enrolled in more dance courses and then like none no business courses whatsoever right pretty much until I I think I had without like officially declaring it my major 
I basically made dance my major. And what does that mean to be a a dance major? Yeah. I mean, it's just basically, I mean, (laughs) like every class is dance. Yeah. Like, I mean, basically, or it's revolving around dance. Um, It's also very different going to like a four year college, um, like a normal, like, four-year college and a conservatory. So if you're going to like a four-year college, you're looking at probably, you still have to take your GEs. I think you technically have to do that as a, in a conservatory setting, but like you're, the the amount of dancing you're doing is still lower than what you would do in a conservatory because you're really dancing all day, every day. Whereas in the four-year college, I was I had like probably like ballet Monday, Wednesday, Friday, modern Tuesday, Thursday. And then I still had like English and right. like, you know, all of my core curriculum classes. I was taking like astronomy, um, things like that. So it's almost like you're in a weird way studying dance as all as like a in a means of maybe possibly to teach it or to like grow and get your master's and then you know maybe you're in the university setting or maybe you're teaching in high school or but it's a little bit more scholastic I think as opposed to like physical were you getting a sense though of how challenging it was on your body yeah yeah absolutely because I think you know especially revolving around that like you know you still had rehearsals till like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then you have like your early Spanish class into like modern, into ballet, into maybe you have a rehearsal in the middle of the day, like finding those pockets. And then maybe you're working. I had to work. I had like two, three jobs. And then, yeah, you have shows. And I think the biggest eye opener for me is that the competition world and that side of the world is very different. And then, and very different than like the university setting. Like it's, it's just a lot calmer, (laughs) like a little bit calmer in energy. Um, like my friends were used to going to my shows and screaming the entire time from the second I step on stage (laughs) to the second I stepped off. And when you go to uh, college and you go to like a modern show or something a bit more like upscale, um, that doesn't fly. And they definitely, like my friends definitely came to my first show at the university and did exactly what they've always done. And I got in trouble Hmm. because they didn't know they thought, well, this is how we've always known dance is that we can scream the whole time. And this was just not, it's not, you know, it's in a proper theater. Um, people go and they're just looking to appreciate and like, see if there's like meaning behind things. Whereas everything I think I did before was like purely for entertainment value. Right. Right. Um, toward like you graduate from college. I did. Yeah. So I I didn't mean that like scholastically (laughs) just, but in the sense, but like when you did, were you like, I want to be a full-time dancer. Yeah. So, I mean, did it start? Because I feel like in high school, you're sort of, and maybe because you're also isolated in Guam, you're not really wondering if it's even possible to do this for a living. But I'm sure once you get to college and you're more around more people, and I'm sure like MTV is starting to happen. Mm -hmm. And are you talking with other students like, hey, we can make this happen and do this for a living? Totally. I mean, I actually ended up going to London uh, for a semester and I did a semester at London Contemporary Dance School. Uh, It was like the one program affiliated with the dance program at UH. It was a super small program. It wasn't like even on the radar of like major college programs. Um, So I did a lot of summer. So really where I started thinking that I was going to fully dance, I did a summer intensive twice um, at this place called Perry Mansfield in Colorado. And that got to train with like teachers from Juilliard and just like different choreographers that were, were based in New York. And I started learning about that side of the dance world where it's a bit more like it is theater driven. Yes, you tour, but you're touring with like a company. Um, so then when I went to London, that 
got like heavily enhanced because that's a conservatory setting. So then I'm truly dancing from like 7.30 in the morning till like 10.30 at night. Wow. And it's it's everything dance oriented. I took, I, you know, and I took like a music class or things along those lines and got to perform like in Oxford. And I think from then I thought in my mind, I thought I wanted to go back to London um, and dance in Europe. I had one more year still in Hawaii and I was still sort of sorting out like what I wanted to do, but I eventually decided to go to New York because that seemed like the next best thing compared Mm. to London. Um, So I kind of just, I just sort of made a decision that I wanted to dance and I wanted to dance in a company. I didn't know what company. I didn't totally know like all of what that entailed. I just was like, I'm going to go to New York. I think that's where I should be. And your family was, was cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I was like being really, really open, like I had the, when I came back from London, I had lost my mom. Okay. She had come, she, the year before that had lost her dad and and she was in Chicago because that's where her family is based, was based. Right. Um, and so she had helped her dad and then she was going through a hard time. So I was like, well, why don't you come to Hawaii? Like the most beautiful place, like stay at my apartment. I just got, I had just gotten the London offer. So I was like, you stay in my apartment while I go to London. Also, the tough thing was that my, my lease was up while I was in London. (laughs) So she was like, oh, I'll, I'll help you with that. And so that really helped me out. And then, um, um, when I got back, we realized that she was really sick and oh, then um, lost sorry. her very quickly. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it was just kind of like one of those things that just felt like the world just like <laughs> just got displaced for a second. And she yeah. was kind of like my my best friend and my biggest support when it came to dance. Like she It was sounds at- like she, she supported you with no expectations, but it just loved you to dance. Yeah, she just wanted me to do the thing that I loved. Yeah. And and, and she wanted me and she wanted to just teach me that if you if you love something and if that's what you want to do, then you just do it. I think that year after that I lost her, I was like, just, I just knew I was going to go. Like I didn't, and I, I think in some ways was doing it for her too. Cause I knew how much time and money that she had put in me to do that. So it, it would almost, I guess in my mind, it also felt like it would be a disrespect to not yeah. even try. What's the goal as a dancer? <laughs> well, but you know what it is? Yeah. No, but it, it, this is the only reason, and I don't mean to sound naive. No, no, no. But no. when you think of like, a guitar player, the, it's the goal to be a guitar player in like Van Halen or some right, rock right. band or, yeah. you know, go on tour with, um, I, I, I'm just suddenly I'm forgetting a bunch of band names or like be the guitar player for Beck. Or if you're a singer, you know, maybe you write songs. Right. So um, what's in the dance world? Is it to be a dancer for Beyonce? I mean, you know, I would, I mean, it's so interesting because that's actually been the thing that I think I've battled with for like a good amount of years now, because I think everyone has a different interpretation. I mean, the beautiful thing is that there are so many different ways to, I guess, be a successful dancer. Um, If you're on the commercial side, meaning like things that are on camera, music videos, tours, artists, like those are usually, those are usually the pinnacle, like dancing for Beyonce would be the pinnacle of someone's career possibly. Um, Maybe being on So You Think You Can Dance is a pinnacle of a dancer's career Some people, you know, think of that as like their highest accolade. 
But then there's also the other side of dance, which is the the side that I first was going into in New York, which is the concert side, which is, you know, more company work. And, and in that sense, people have their like goal companies, maybe that they've always wanted to dance for, like and a choreographer. And that's like when you say companies, New York, that means people going to a performance. Yes. Like a ballet performance or something. Yeah, very, okay. very much so. So, so like something like, yeah, okay. originally, yes. Um, so like you're looking at com- like large companies that would be notable would be like Alvin Ailey or, you know, even like Paul Taylor from if you were going like a little bit older, but now new age is like Camille Brown is like huge. Kyle Abraham is another one. Um, I danced for a company called the Dash Ensemble. And that to me was like my end all be all at the time because I, it was the perfect blend of, cause I loved, I still loved jazz. I still loved hip hop. I still loved all those things. And most of the things in the concert world tend to lean towards like modern contemporary ballet, you know, like maybe some hints of like other styles, but for the most part, the core of it comes around like modern ballet and contemporary and those are most of the companies that you're looking at so at the time I think my goal was that I wanted to dance for someone that I believed in and I believed in their work that they believed in me and that they believed in the people that came to see their show but yeah so that was my goal and I felt like I found that with the Dash Ensemble and I think that somewhere and I was with them for like a few years I know actually like three to five years um and then I wanted to do more things. Also, I wanted to like make more money. <laughs> yeah, because you probably can make a lot more money doing commercial stuff. Yeah, yeah. it just it, the nature of it. There's more investment there. Right. I mean, obviously, especially if you're working with like artists or if it's on TV, like there's just more money there. Um, so I started taking more of those classes. I got signed with an agency and was just freelancing. I was kind of trying to do both worlds. Were you getting a sense of the cut the cutthroatness of oh, it yeah. all in New York? Yeah, because I'm, yeah. Okay. I mean it's. It's cutthroat. I mean, it's cutthroat, like also everywhere in New York. Like you're literally like wake up and you're kind of on the defense. I feel like right away. I mean, it's to me, it's like the best city. I love, I love New York. Um, I learned, I feel like I grew up in New York 100%. Mm. But you know, right away, you're just kind of like, you go, you know, you, you, there, there's nice people in New York. There's great people in New York, but you know, people are blunt and people will say what they think. And if, they like something they say it if they don't like something they say it so you learn you kind of just learn to kind of build your like tough skin i just got back from there and i love the energy mm-hmm. i could never live there though that's I what everyone says <laughs> well you know what it is it's just there's just an insanity to it i feel yeah. like now i feel like you know when my uncle lives there and I remember 15, 20 years ago, whenever we went to visit, it was it was just so much fun. Mm. But I get the sense that because of Uber, and I've read mm. articles about this, and like Amazon, there are more packages delivered to Manhattan now than anywhere mm. daily in the country. And mm. they're just the traffic and all the pedestrians and people staring at their phones, all like literally walking into me everywhere. Right. It just, it felt kind of crazy it is insane and you do kind of feel insane (laughs) but it's like it's it's like an addicting insane like living there I think like you're you're just so I don't know I feel like I had gotten literally addicted to the lifestyle like the thing that I do love 
I think what kept me, I think at first, my first year in New York, I felt the same way. Like I was like, people are just insane. Like this is crazy. I I can't do this. Like I think I was crying almost every day on the train or something like that. I was like, this is just too hard. Like why, why would anyone move here? Why would anyone live here? And then it took me like literally starting to meet people who were like born and raised New Yorkers and also like to have seen the city go through certain things. So one of the one of the years I was in New York, there was the big uh, what is it hurricane mm-hmm. and pretty much the whole city like lost power. Everyone there was like fires. Everyone was walking everywhere. But the city really like banded together. Like if you drop something, someone picked it up. If you were like, I think I was crying somewhere, of course. Yeah. And someone actually like asked me if I was okay, you know. And 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 like you see, I saw people helping like pick up baby carriages to help moms get up the stairs. You know, yeah. it doesn't. I feel like it's happening a little bit less and less, maybe. But. Um, to see the the city itself do that, I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Because when push comes to shove, I do feel like people in New York like come together and there is this like New York culture and this New York spirit that people really, and it could be stemming from maybe 9-11, not sure yeah. if that's when it all started or if it's always been that way, but. I think by, I actually, do, I think it's a human thing by nature where we do create a community and we I would think and so. we want that yeah but I'm just under the impression technology and cell phones are making people more selfish definitely and so unless something terrible happens then everyone is right yeah but I mean, even uh, then that support is shown mostly on your cell phone right you know and I don't know how many like personal phone calls people are making when the most terrible things are happening you know right I think What's ha- what's hard in LA is that you're in your apartment, then in your car, then you're in the place that you go, then you're back in your car, then right. you're in your apartment, and you could easily live in that flow every day until you die if you wanted to. So the only connection that you potentially could have to the outside is your cell phone, and is Instagram, and is social media. Whereas in New York, you don't really have a choice. You're in people's space, whether you like it or not. And they're very much in yours. So if you wanted to have a conversation that day, you could. And if you didn't, you maybe don't have a choice. Maybe you have a conversation anyways, because you're stuck on a train for 15, 20 minutes. And that was not part of your plan. Whereas I do think in LA, you you get in your bubble. So yeah, and I just literally I had my last couple guests, we, we we were talking about that analogy of living in a bubble. Yeah. And I think everything that's going on, although, you know, obviously cell phones and technology is amazing. Having the internet's incredible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Netflix potentially could be great. But I think psychologically, it's <laughs> make. Well, I don't want to bore right. you too much about my theories on Netflix, but I, I just I think they're more interested in using the um, the cliffhanger technique yeah. to get you to just watch the next episode as opposed mm-hmm. to actually creating a quality show, right? Like HBO, I think to me creates in FX, like to me from beginning to end, creates shows totally where I think the plots and the characters are really well thought out for whatever reason when typically, of course there's a couple exceptions, but typically with Netflix, I can tell when they're manipulating me through sort of a clever 
cliffhanger to get right. me to watch and then you it just but you do it anyways yeah, yeah exactly i mean i've been pretty good though it's just after two i'm like no i'm not gonna let them do this i can't thing. do this but You're i guess up all night but i guess back to the bubble thing i just i feel like all these things are making people more isolated right and you're right i mean i i am forced to walk down the street and be around 400 people to go to the gym in New York. Mm-hmm. Whereas here in LA, you know, you really could not be around too many people ever. Yeah. And it's kind of. If you really don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. Which is. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I, I get the sense that it's, it's, to me, it's why it's probably there's a lot of loneliness and depression and anxiety because people are just uncomfortable with other people now. Yeah, they don't know how to have like a conversation with like out without an emoji, like yeah. or without the safety of like, you know, maybe following up with like an LOL text because they can see your reaction, they can see that you genuinely meant to say that, and it's. I think it is. I think it is hard to relate to people. Like I'm, I'm definitely the type of person that prefers if I'm going to have a conversation at the very least, like a phone call. Hmm. Um, so you still talk on the phone with people? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm like I spoke to I'm like annoying that ago. way. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Super annoying that way. I, my boyfriend like hates it. No, I don't think it's <laughs> annoying. I actually. I enjoy it. Yeah, because I feel like I get more out of it. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't mind having like text catch ups. I mean, there, if I, if we couldn't find a moment to like speak, because I do think like when I'm, I think the, the hard thing about ha- wanting to have those conversations is like, I think that I, you need time to have them. Like, it's hard to be on the phone with someone that you don't get to talk to all the time for like five minutes. You kind of want to be, you want to be able to like, have as much time as they feel they want or vice versa. Or if you get in a conversation, that's really great. And you don't want to hang up, but you, so, so that's kind of hard because you need to set time for it. So yeah. the texting is easier to be able to like multitask and catch up with someone at the same time. But I really try not to, because I really, I mean, like I enjoy talking to the people that I love. I like hearing their reactions to things. I like hearing like how they actually are like if i ask how they are doing and they say yeah i'm doing okay or yeah i'm doing okay those are two different things and if you were to send that via text i might not be able to pick up on that and i don't know if you like need more time to speak with me or if it's just like okay bye cool see you later you know it's just very different like sometimes i just want a landline in my house just because but i guess i don't need it because they won't no one will use it and i remember how I don't want, I'm not sure how anxious I was, but I do remember having some sort of anxiety about not renewing my landline. Yeah. And just, and I think even my dad would have said something like, well, what happens if, you know, the cell towers go out? Right. It was just, I don't know. It's strange to think that we evolved to not really needing a landline anymore. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if it's still the same on Guam, but we always had to have a landline because there was always typhoons. So things would literally be out. And the only way that you could communicate is like the cord phones. Like those are the ones that worked. Um, So I always had one. We always had one for like the rainy typhoon days so that I could talk to people. Otherwise, I'm stuck in my house doing nothing, reading Harry Potter. And we didn't really have TV. I had this like, or we didn't have a generator either. And but we had this like small TV that was with the long antenna, right. uh, black and white. Got one channel, so I watched like all the soap operas and Friends, and that's about it. <laughs> well, and I'm just thinking there really can be this 
intimacy when you're just on the phone talking to somebody mm-hmm. and just you hear their voice, whether mm-hmm. it's your mom, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your uncle, whomever. Like there is a, especially when I, I'm same with you when you were younger, just this concept of you're lying on your bed or you're on the couch and this person isn't like looking at television or whatever. You guys are just like having a conversation mm-hmm. on the phone. And and I don't think we're having those as much as we used to. No, it's very unfocused conversations, like to the point where like you won't even know. I think the thing that drives me like insane is if I've texted something or if I've said something like multiple times and, and via text, like multiple times. And for example, my boyfriend will be like, oh, if I ask him about it in person, he'll be like, oh, what are you talking about? Like the thing that I texted you like three times. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry. I think I, he's like, I remember reading that, but like, I don't think I like fully registered. And I was like, well, right. Cause (laughs) I just feel like (laughs) it's easy to see something and say like, oh, I've read it. And then that be done. But, and I know for my mind too, sometimes the, the vocal conversation is just a lot more helpful for me to remember. Um, I like to write things down. I like to, you know, do things. But sometimes if I'm seeing it via text, if I'm on the go, I I will forget. Like, I'll forget that you texted it to me and I'll forget, like, that we talked about it. Yeah. I hate that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. It sucks. (laughs) You're not working right now. No. You have plenty of... (laughs) You have plenty of time. I literally, this is the most time I think I have had in like about 10 years. How does it like, feel? It sucks. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I mean, I think uh, it's, it's great. It's really great. It's good for me because it's slowing me down. Cause mm. that's, uh, that's something that I have a really hard time doing. Like I have a really hard time doing nothing and I have yeah. a really hard time just like, just <laughs> finding something to do. Well, you do have, it's funny when you, I took your class at Lit. Um, you always, not always, but you would say a lot to people at the beginning, you know, I have a lot of energy and you would say (laughs) that out loud and, and, you know, but I, I don't know, to me, you're just, you're youthful and and it's just great to have that energy. Yeah. And it's, and I just get excited. Yeah. You're just excited. I truly get, get excited. Cause honestly, like group fitness for me was like a godsend. Like I was in New York and I was like, so I I mean, I was dancing and I loved it and I was, you know, doing yoga and I thought that was really great, but I just felt so serious. Like everything I was doing, I just felt so serious. And so like, and I wasn't finding like, that makes sense. Yeah. Like aesthetically, I wasn't finding also results in my body that I really wanted. Um, and I just felt like I was just like walking around with like my shoulders by my ears and like, not really like fully open. Well, I do feel like, and I I don't sense it with you, but maybe it's because you had this sort of realization, but I do feel like dancers can have become, can get broken bodies. Oh my gosh. They can get broken a lot of things. Like, and, and I think that we are so actually in tune with our bodies because we have to be, I mean, we have to know everything that's going on with it and you have to, cause that's your business. That's, that's how you work. So I think we're almost so in tune that we become too in tune with it so Mm. that like our, I know that the way that I'm feeling about anything directly affects like my body. Hmm. Um, the way that I'm thinking directly affects my body. So if I'm, if I'm constantly like feeling like emotional or unhappy or, or just feeling like I'm missing something or just not full, like my, 
my body responds in, in, in ways that's trying to fill that void or, or it breaks down because then it knows that there's nothing to sort of like support it, if that makes sense. Um, but group fitness sort of brought me back to life a little bit in New York. I found boxing. I went to this mm. random, like, I joined Class Pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I went to a boxing studio. and Which one, Rumble or? Uh, no, Rumble okay. was not around yet. Okay. It was a work train fight. And at okay. the time, it was also very new. I walked in, and it was just kind of like, there was a ring and people were boxing in there and I was like, Oh my God, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. But I was like, no, I really want to box. It seems really cool. And they had like a little small group class and it was like the hardest thing I had ever done. Like the conditioning was incredibly hard. The boxing, even though like, luckily I think I picked up a little bit quicker than if I was like a normal human maybe because mm-hmm. of the coordination factor, but still was like the hardest thing I'd ever done. Like they, they didn't yell at me, but they just were like, you know, they were like, come on, like push, da, 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 da. like it was a different sort of like way of motivating that what I was used to in dance. And especially on like, you know, the classes that I was taking, I was taking like contemporary or improv so it was all very like you know feel your body and like can you explore this and what do you think about this really push your speed you know it's like very it's a different sense of motivation and then I'm going into this boxing class where it was like you do not stop and and you're like oh my god but I walked out and I was like I felt like I had like woken up like Mm. and it was like kind of awesome to do that with like random people and like after class we talked to each other and we're like oh my gosh that was so hard like what like you know and you know I'd be like oh, do you come here all the time? And I just found that like I was conversating more with people on like a shared ground that had nothing to do with dance and nothing to do with me, just like a shared experience that was not deep. It was just like sweating and working and like that was it. Um, Which I think is great because that's one of the things, it's sort of one of the issues I have with yoga sometimes is there's just such a seriousness to it. Yeah. And I'm sure there's such a seriousness to dance sometimes, especially yeah. when you're in competitions or you're for a company. Yeah. And it, I almost feel like all these things, you think about yourself constantly. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a class like you're talking about, it's sort of getting you to stop thinking about yourself. Yeah. But in essence, in a weird way, the entire time you actually were right, like you're doing something for yourself without having to think. And I think that's literally why I wanted to even teach group fitness. And that's why I get so excited because I can tell when people get to that point where they're literally just like, they've like let go of all the shit that they did during the day and what sucked and what was great and what whatever. And they're just like in a moment where they're like, sweating their ass off and working hard and is it perfect no and it shouldn't be because that's not the point you're not supposed to like go into a workout class like looking the best and right. like being the best well in out. la it's like that in right la now. it's beca- and it kind of is becoming like <laughs> yeah. that it's becoming like oh wow like you're so great i'm like okay thank yeah, you i right. i mean i worked out that's great um but like yeah, group fitness can can be so wonderful. It can yeah. it can open so many doors for people, and it can be so like great. But the th- the reason why I always opened with the I'm energetic, I'm mm-hmm. this because I've had people who really have gotten bothered by my like level of energy and my level of like yes, like you can you know what I mean? Like they they don't they don't want that, 
And it's kind of like what we were saying, you know, to each his own. Right. Some people love that. Some people hate that. Some people I have to crack, you know, and they they don't know why they keep coming back, but they keep coming back. But, you know, I learn, I learn those people usually pretty quickly. Like I test them out with my energy. And if they don't, if they're the type that, you know, they want to, enjoy my energy from afar and then I leave them alone and if they're the type that they like when I'm in their face then I'm in their face and then there's some that just my overall everything is not great for them and they want someone like maybe for instance at the time Allie who's a bit more like uh, strategic and technique based and and she's fun in her own way but she's just more like she's calmer right um and then that's fine that means you found where you need to go Were you, you were you teaching group fitness in New York? No. Okay. So how the how did you get to LA? Um, I visited. Um, let's see. I visited because I, mean, I was it feels, assisting. Sorry to interrupt. It, but no. it feels as though things were going were things just not going well in New York. Things were going great. Okay. Actually. So you just. Um, I think the the one thing that I would say is that I I got a little lost. I got I I knew that I had been with a company for a long time that I did really really love and enjoy. I also was doing commercial stuff on the side, and that I felt like I had momentum. Um, so there was actually really no real reason for me to leave outside of the fact that I knew I was getting older. I knew that I was in an apartment in Brooklyn with three other people (laughs) where there was mice in my apartment (laughs) and I was paying like $850 for a room that had no air ventilation because it was like a makeshift loft. And I knew that I wasn't just like in this financial place that I felt like I wanted to be in anymore that didn't feel worth it. So that part was making me unhappy is the fact that I was, I think I was like 27 and I was seeing, you know, not that 30 is a marker, but I was seeing age 30 coming up and I was like, okay, I'm sort of still living the same way that I was living when I was 23. And so I had visited LA cause I was assisting my boss at the time on a, like a choreography thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was like, Oh, this place is awesome. Yeah. And the fact that like, you know, I was not accustomed to winter moving to right. New York yeah. and that was really hard for me. Yeah, um, and it really affects your mood. Again, it affects your body affects how you feel i visited la and i was like there's sunshine there's a beach people are tan like oh my gosh i haven't been tan in like eight years like this is amazing because the agency i was with was on both coasts and so i met with them in la and i was like oh i got a good vibe from them and so went back to new york and i kept still thinking about la and i found more money and came back to visit again um, just to spend more time not necessarily like working, right. but then ended up booking a job, which which had me stay longer in LA. And then I just felt like the lifestyle was like, this is exactly what I want to do. Like this is the, the, the place I was staying in was like amazing. And she told me how much she was paying. And I right. was like, this is great. Um, so then I went back to New York. I was there for like three and a half weeks, packed all my stuff and then moved. Yeah. Um, but I was still kind of back and forth like the first year. Cause I, because I moved so abruptly, like I would say for the first year and a half that I actually moved here, people in New York still thought I lived in New York and didn't <laughs> yeah. realize I had moved to LA. Yeah. Um, cause I was still contracted for, um, certain shows that I had with the company that I was with and then other things. Um, so I would come back and forth kind of on my own dime, which was not the smartest thing right. financially, but, um, it was great. I thought that doing the bi-coastal thing was really fun, but then realized I was like running out of money. And then also realized that I just didn't know 
if I really wanted to dance still. I wasn't sure if that was like the lifestyle I still wanted because yeah, it's tough. Well, it's you're touching on something that I find really interesting. It's, you know, when you are an artist and you get older, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking, you know, 40, 50, 60, even just like 30, mm-hmm. you know, you, you start to become acquainted with money yeah. and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And do you want to live in a shitty apartment with, or do you want to acquire nice things and have a nice right. bed and actually have like a couple rooms and yeah. get some pets and right and like have a life <laughs> yeah and we kind of forget that to make a living and i mean like over 75 a hundred thousand dollars which compared to like beyonce isn't anything but at least it's enough to get by right but to make that is really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. It's less than like 2% of artists in whatever field they're pursuing. Mm-hmm. And I think because of, you know, technology, it's, it's a strange dichotomy because on the one hand, there's the potential where more eyeballs could see you. Mm-hmm. But because there's so many people doing what you're doing, yeah, I don't feel like that's actually, I don't think it's helping. No, I don't know. I'm, I, I, so, and that's kind of why I became a DJ because being in a band and as a singer, you just, you couldn't make any money unless you're touring and it's too expensive to tour. Mm -hmm. But being a DJ in LA, it's actually pretty easy compared to being in a band. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just this complicated transition. I think we all sort of go through. I think everyone goes through it. And I think, um, I mean, like, oddly enough, I feel like I'm making the reverse transition currently. But that transition was probably, like, the most devastating thing I've ever had to, like, go through. Like, I was really, like, I was really unhappy when I thought that I didn't want to, like, physically dance anymore, that I was, like, done with it. And I really thought, and I really thought I was. I really thought, like, okay, I need to stop doing this. This is not for me. And... But I, but what was good about it was that I realized there was so much about like my actual self, not my dancer self, my actual self that I really had never addressed. Hmm. Like I never really talked about like in depth and addressed the things that I felt when my mom passed. Like I really never did. I just kind of was like hit the ground running, knew it happened, talked to people, cried about it here and there, but like never really like addressed the things that like really were like sitting with me. I never addressed things about my family that really affected me, people that I had lost in my life, how much it affected me. And it was like, I, I almost had like the dancer veil over me for the past like eight plus years, you know, that I was in New York. And, and also again, New York's really easy to like not address your issues because there's so much shit happening in LA. You really like have the ability to stop if you want and like take a second and again I didn't really have a lot of people I knew here so spent a lot of time by myself um were you thinking of still dancing out here or when did you sort of come to that first I just assumed I would because I've always done that did something happen though where you realized or you just sort of think like there was I think like realized it sort of it happened in like a few stages I think I went to you know I had gotten here I went to an audition um And I looked around the room and I was like, I feel like I'm like one of the oldest people here. Mm. Um, (laughs) And and then later in it, I was also like, huh, I don't really know anyone in here, too, because I was also used to going to auditions in New York where like we all had been going to auditions together for like X amount of years. So every time we went, it was just kind of like 
seeing people, you know? And so I was in a position where I was like, I don't know anyone. And I guess that was kind of daunting. But then I also was starting to take class and I was finding that as I was in class, I was like dreading being there. Like, and I was not enjoying it. And I, and I don't know if it was it, the nature of taking class in LA is very different than New York people in LA in a certain, I think to a certain extent, maybe like could potentially be like more cutthroat than New York. Sometimes Mm. it's not as like open, you know, and unless they feel they would like to speak to you, you know, it's not like, I feel like in New York, if, you know, someone does a great job or whatever, you, you enjoyed someone in class, you could easily go up to them and be like, super dope, like loved watching you and you get like such an open response back. And, you know, I think I did that a few times in LA when I was first starting to take class and I didn't get quite the same response. And I think that made me shut down. So then I was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't enjoy class and I'm not enjoying auditions and I'm not really like, there's no one I'm really trying to dance for. And I, so I was like, maybe I don't want to do this. And so I took some time and I just kind of was like, I don't think I want to do this. And so I just sort of left it in limbo in a weird way though, because I knew I still love to dance. Like as far as like my body goes, like I love to move. I love to dance. I was like, well, there's gotta be a way to keep like it kind of in my life, but maybe it's not me. Um, and then I got into fitness and especially at lit. Was that your first fitness Mm -hmm. gig? Yeah. You know what I was thinking before we get there? And then I think when you do something that, relies on other people's opinions Mm, it's hard and i was just thinking again comparing to sort of i really believe the reason why people are using instagram and i don't mean to be glass half empty there's obviously exceptions typically it's to get a response of some Mm -hmm. sort and i think the more people use it the more they rely on that oh yeah and i think you growing up in a culture, not Guam culture, dance culture, where you are, I don't want to say relying, but maybe you psychologically are because there's scores, there's competitions, mm-hmm. um, people are expecting something from you. I'm yeah. sure that plays I mean, with and the now, psychology. I mean, social media has really taken a huge leap in dance. So there's also like, now you kind of are you know how I was saying there's so many different paths in dance, you know, and, um, now you can, I mean, you could be a working dancer just via social media. And that means, I mean, growing your following, you know, that's, that's a thing in itself. Um, there's also like just the fact that like a lot of casting directors now always ask for your Instagram. And so it's become sort of like an online, your online, like resume portfolio, thing definitely and so it's it's such a weird like i am so back and forth with it because on one hand i i've been to a few like dance workshops where like they have a whole section where they talk about social media and how you should present yourself and when you should post and why you should post and and it took me like i think i didn't really start posting and and being that serious with it until i started coming to la yeah and people were telling me that that was like the next sort of thing i had to focus on but were you doing it to because you because you wanted to make it as a dancer well the thing is i or didn't even first. know why i was yeah. doing it like but since you're hearing that but since i'm hearing that i was like okay well i guess i'm supposed to do it like i guess this is the thing if you want to be a working dancer like you need to have like a certain you need to have like a following and you know 
I don't really, I actually don't really believe that. Like I, I really don't like, I, yeah. I don't think that you need to, I think that, I think that it is a great platform to, to have it be your online portfolio and a free way to showcase yourself. If you don't have, let's say even an agent or that someone who's going to help you do that. Or if, if you're trying to reach certain ways, like at least in, at least in, in an essence of like before, I think the only thing we had was we had to like make reels and then send them now. Like, I mean, your reel could easily be on your Instagram without having to like spend all these like hard hours on making a reel. They could find dance clips on your actual Instagram, which is super helpful. twofold with it. I think it is helpful and I think that I've I've had some things come from it, but I think on the other hand like it's only helpful if that's like really what you want to do. And I there I mean there really are some dancers that are making like bank and great money and doing great things with with what they're doing social media wise. Um like how are they how is the dancer making I know. I mean I don't know the full ins and outs of what how they make their money, but I know right. it's almost like, like athletes, like endorsements, like having okay. them like sell certain things because they post about it. Um, I'm pretty sure they get paid to like post in general, like right. dance things. Um, I think they get paid to be in some of those dance videos potentially. Um, okay. I know some have like, it's open doors in terms of them, like being like transitioning to more like acting things. Right. Um, commercials because of their following like there have i know that there are some casting breakdowns that now they want like a minimum of a certain amount of like followers right in order to be considered you're struggling or sometimes you're all all in it feels like sometimes you're not sure about Mm. instagram and i'm i i'm the same way although i've really detracted pretty much I feel like 90% mm. in the sense that I just post about my podcast and maybe right. a silly post uh, where I'm just making fun of something and that's about mm. it because I I guess sort of what I originally not originally but what I was saying like a few minutes ago I just I feel as though we've become a culture that is reliant on what they're getting mm. from Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be that person. Right. Um, I almost feel like we all are human and we all have insecurities and we all have those tendencies. And it's if you post something, then you are curious what people think or say about right. it, which I think is and a normal. And you find yourself like hoping that people will react like ideally positively. Yeah. Um, but I guess just like gain reactions to your self, your self being, your what you what you say. I think my biggest thing with Instagram I think that I don't always love or that I really don't love is that most of the time you're not getting the person. You're getting like the great parts of that person. And, right. and I'm guilty of that too. Like you don't get the actual like real down to earth like shit like actually woke up and like took a photo of yourself like right you know like what that actually looks like because i mean i'm i mean great if you look like a freaking supermodel when you wake up that's awesome um, i don't right. i like, look insane um like i really and i won't take a photo of myself and post it because like i don't want to <laughs> like yeah and I, and I, I think that I used to think like I had to, I always had to like put these like fierce photos up and these kinds of things. Well, and I um, remember actually seeing you when you taught at Lit, like you had these really glam model mm-hmm. shots 
And they were great shots. And yeah. I remember you saying something like, well, I don't know what to do with them, so I'm going to just throw them Yeah, off the, kind of. Yeah, yeah, because I had, especially when you when you saw those too, that was also kind of like I had decided that I was like not really a dancer anymore. I was not pursuing it. Okay. But I had like been sort of like offered this deal to do this photo shoot. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like sure, I'll do it. But then even as I was like prepping for it, I was like, I don't really know why I'm doing this. Like I know why I've done shots before because they were always somehow like in ways of helping me as a dancer and having more shots and like that equals more opportunities. In this moment, I was like, well, why the hell am I doing this? And then I got them and I was like, these are cool. These are great. I'm if I'm not trying to dance and like, what exactly am I going to do with them? So I was like, I guess I'll just put them on Instagram because I spent money on them. So I'm going to post it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and and it kind of just has been that a little bit, but even then it's just, I also sometimes would just be like, I don't really know why. Even after I post it, I'd be like, I don't really know why. Yeah. I guess I'm doing it. I think this is what I've been thinking about. And I was, I was listening to this amazing podcast and I, I need to record one about it specifically Ezra Klein, he's talking to this writer, Dave Eggers, mm. and he wrote one of my favorite books, A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. I actually mm. read it while I was taking a vacation in Hawaii like 20 years ago. Oh. And he's talking about how, I mean, could you have ever imagined 10 years ago that millions of people would put in this device in their homes that would listen to their conversations, mm. that people could you know, request, oh, where's the closest pizza parlor? But this mm. this thing, Echo, or whatever they're called, I don't have an Alexa, <laughs> is in everybody, like millions and millions of people's homes. Yeah. Listening to what you're talking about, to give you potentially, to get your information, mm-hmm. to then maybe get to manipulate you to, put, to, to potentially buy something in the future. Right. It's amazing to me how we embrace things yeah, without really thinking about it. yeah. And I, of course that's happened with Instagram. Like it's crazy now that casting directors want people to have a certain amount of followers. It's crazy to me that people have these devices in their home that's listening to their conversations. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy to me that more people are DMing as opposed to talking. I mean, I know. it's just... I don't know. And that to me is sort of the theme of my show. And I like to talk to, I think what's so interesting to me with artists though, there is this conflict because it does feel like, and I agree, I think one is foolish to not use Instagram mm-hmm. if you are a dancer or a mm-hmm. writer or a podcaster or you created something, you want people to see it or right. hear it. So that's what I... That's yeah. what I struggle with. So Absolutely. I mean, and I, I feel the same way. Like some days I'm literally angry at Instagram and I'm like mad at myself the second I open the app. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like yeah. look at something that has more value or like I think I even downloaded like this kitchen game to keep me from doing that. But then like my obsession with that went to that. <laughs> but it, it just I, it's so hard. It's so hard because it is in essence and in its root, it's like a great thing because it does allow people to like, maybe it even it's allowing people to be the thing they've always wanted to be, which is what I preach in fitness, Mm, right? Like I preach, this is the room that you can allow yourself to be the person that you've always wanted to be. And you have no shame in that. So like in essence, like that is, that could be what Instagram could be, but of course humans and like, we're all, you know, living, especially I feel like in LA and 
and maybe just mostly also in America, it's like, we're, we're, we're always held to seeing things around us being better than what we think we are. Mm. So it's this, so it's what we've now turned it into. So maybe Instagram was purely just to share photos and experiences and, and the, the cool things that have happened in your day. And now it's turned into this whole other like thing of like, now you're a model and now you're this and now you're that. And, and, but you actually don't look like that. And, you know, it's like, it's become this whole other, like, thing that now has turned slightly negative because I don't know about for men, but like, I know it's, it affected me a hundred percent because that also affected me as a, as a dancer who was trying to do things. And I was looking at other dancers and I was comparing myself. I was like, well, I'm not doing that. So that means I'm not doing anything. And I'm, I'm, I, I suck, (laughs) you know, like literally I found myself like constantly looking at other women and instead, and instead of like, you know, of course I like embraced them and wanted them to be great. But I also looked at them and I was like, wow, I, I feel like I should be doing that. I don't understand, you know? And then, and then I think that it 100% added to my whole demise of thinking like I shouldn't be a dancer or I should stop dancing because I was like, well, I'm not there yet. And this 21 year old is. And so it's too late for me because I'm almost 30 or whatever, you know, at the time 31 now, but like, I think it can be like the devil and I think it can be great. Like, I think it just depends on also where you are in your life and how you're using it. I feel very positive, even though I'm unemployed and (laughs) like, you know, doing, doing things that are extremely scary, like, but I feel very positive in my life right now. So when I look at Instagram, I'm not looking at like the things that I don't have. I'm looking at like just things like, and I'm looking at, and I'm looking at people with a lot more like joy and, and, and support than what I was looking at before. You know, when I was in a down spiral in my life, I was looking at it with so much envy, which is like, I mean, it's one of the seven deadly sins for a reason. Yeah. Well, and I think the platform naturally, it, you know, it's quantifying followers. Mm -hmm. It's, um, quantifying likes. And I know I read an article a couple weeks ago where they said they, they were going to get rid of likes, yep. but they never have. I still am looking and I, yeah. everybody's likes they're are still there. To, yeah, they're supposed to be. I don't know. I didn't think, I've, I thought it was going to be like maybe in the new year, but that's what I okay. heard. And it's going to change. I mean, it's, I, I'm I, curious what it's going to do if, if people will post just as much. I mean, I guess, I, isn't it that they can see... How yeah, the many person likes, but no that one else posted can. can see the number, but nobody else can. Um, but hmm. I think it does. And, you know, this is why I talk about specifically Instagram. Like, I think once the television came out, it started the process. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, TMZ even sort of contributed to it because people, I feel like everybody wants to be a celebrity. Oh yeah. It's just, it. everyone wants to be liked. That's just like human nature. Like everyone wants to be liked. And especially, I mean, in essence, like artists are the, the most, like they want, they want it the most and they'll never admit it. But like, I mean, everything we're doing is not necessarily for yourself. I mean, if it was, I mean, it could be, but then you'd never make any money. Right. Like literally in order for an artist to make money, people have to like what you do and they have to like you. Um, And I think that, I mean, I think that with any profession, like if you're applying for a job, yeah, they want to like what you've done, but they also want to like you. Otherwise they don't want to work with you. Yeah. So it's like human nature to just want to be liked.
think cell phones are addictive, and then it's really convenient to just be able to put this amazing iPhone just like in your pocket, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. But then Instagram to me has emotionally seeped its way into people's mm-hmm. brain. It, it's tapping into emotionality. Oh yeah, and that's to me where the danger and the addiction happens. Yeah. And again, I was listening to another podcast where there's these students and and teenagers. That are literally saying these platforms have hijacked our generation. They have. I feel. I, mean, I actually feel terrible for for kids with it. Like I, I really do because it's. I think the amount of pressures. If you think about how much how, what the, the pressures you had to deal with growing up as a kid already, and then add Instagram to that, and and. Yeah that being another factor that you have to deal with and like the whole idea about bullying and cyberbullying and all of that like i mean i know a lot of like dance intensives have started to add an in like a social media you know talk with the kids because i mean some sometimes these kids have bigger followings a lot of these kids have bigger followings than adults now because they're more into it or the parents are running it and i right. i feel so mixed about that one i don't really feel like youngins need to be focused on that like it, they should be training because that's right. also changing training they're not they're training to to make a good video they're not necessarily training for the sake of like getting better constantly and like being reaching your fullest potential as a dancer in the most like capable form that your body will ever be in at the time that's like the most you're going to absorb so when you're adding instagram to it to me that changes the way you're training i think that these kids like just have to deal with so much they can't ever leave it it's not like they can go to school maybe get teased and then go home and have a night to themselves they go home maybe get teased what if they go home and that same person is like posting story after story after story tagging whatever right. i don't i don't know exactly what they do no, but, but like, it's true like getting tagged can potentially be an anxiety provoking yeah, and it sucks you and, don't know yeah what... and then they're looking at the people and they're not but they're not leaving it alone they can't go home and just like cry about it let it go and then approach the next day stronger than ever they're literally going home and if they wanted to they could stay involved in what they were just dealing with at school and the sad thing is that like no matter what i think a parent does i don't think that they can control that like they can't control like how much they're looking unless they don't have a cell phone i would like to say that when i have kids they're not going to have a cell phone until they start driving right but it's, I mean, I also understand that in this day and age, it's hard because I'm sure that ki- like that kid will be like the only child not to have a and cell phone. And then they're going to get made fun yeah. of. Yeah, and then they're going to get made fun of, and yeah. then I'm the bad parent. And like, yeah. you know, but I would like to say that they're not going to have one because I think that it's, you know, I used to get so mad at my mom because she didn't like, uh, it was when everyone was doing like chatting, like Hotmail, um, yeah. you know, um, she was like so adamant on me not doing that. Like anytime she caught me doing that, I got in trouble and I never understood why, but now I get it. Like yeah. I shouldn't be doing that. And I don't think, I think that the cyber world for a kid is like really dangerous. And we've talked a while, which goes to show that, <laughs> I don't know, there's just like time seems to just sort of effortless effortlessly pass when you just kind of talk right which is when great you have real conversations yeah <laughs> so but i want to like kind of ask you a couple things to end the show you're working at like a dance what were you working at out here that was dance related where you're not there anymore oh i was working for an agency a dance agency yes so um, and then you were working at lit mm-hmm. but you're not there anymore correct <laughs> so i don't know what you can share but at least with the dance agency was 
So that was more like behind the scenes. The agency represents dancers. Correct. Yeah. Was that just like insane? Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, I have never, I think, so, okay, let me start by saying <laughs> as a dancer, when you get an agent, you think, yes, this is it. I'm going to be getting into things. You, you, you're, you think that this like amazing door is opened. Um, and you also think that there's a, I feel like there's this certain, uh, thing that I was told that I had to sort of approach my agent as like the way I need, I need to be demanding. I needed to be this. I needed to assume that they just wanted my money and this and this and this. And maybe there, maybe those stories are coming from the fact that there probably are agents that are like that having to now, have worked on the opposite side, I feel like my mind was completely blown. (laughs) Like Mm. I feel like I learned so much about what one, how much goes into this, this world, the the dance world, the entertainment world, how how many factors are going into it that has nothing to do with you as a dancer has nothing to do with your ability to dance or how talented you are, how pretty you are, you know, like there's so many things that go into it and and the, I guess the sad thing is that as a dancer, you'll never know how many things that went into as to why you didn't get that audition. But the dancer's going to take it personally. The dancers are going to take yes. it personally. Absolutely. I did. Like, yeah. absolutely. I'm like, what the hell? Why was I not sent on that? Or what the hell? How, how come I didn't get that? Like, I should have been the first person, you know, right. but I'm one of like a million women trying to do the same thing, you know, but like you think like what happened with my agent, but there's so many things that are going on that they don't have control of that you don't have control of. But I think the biggest thing that I realize is that they're really working for free. <laughs> like hmm. majority of the time, like they, they don't make money until you make money. So, right. so in essence, of course they want you to work because that's when they make money right. and it's not out of a, a greed thing. You know, they're not trying to take all your money. I would hope not. That's not the way I felt like I saw from the people that I worked for, but um, the competition must have been ruthless, I imagine. It is, but it's also simpler. I guess the thing that I learned too, it's simpler than it needed to be when I mm. when I was really trying to fully pursue it and why I want to pursue it again because it's really a lot simpler. Like you need materials, you need good photos, um, you need to like have footage, you need to be training, you need to be making relationships. These are things that like everyone does but they don't always know how to do or they don't know that like it's 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 simpler than we think and so you actually left i whatever you want to share but you left feeling re-energized to get back into dancing again pretty much yeah i mean like why or how so i so i was the executive assistant um but i when i first like took the job i said that i was definitely wanting to be on this path of like becoming an agent because i was like this is the best this is the best blend of both worlds i get to still be involved in dance i get to teach they they were cool with me still teaching at lit um, when i could and I was like, this is great. Like I get to help dancers with information that I wish I knew. Hmm. So that was, uh, to me, like the most exciting thing. And I, and I still love that. Um, they also had like a sports and fitness department. So I was like, oh, this is bank. I'm in the fitness world. Like, this is amazing. I can also help my fitness friends get some side hustle. And so I was like, yeah, I'm totally all in. And I found as I was, unfortunately, as I was learning more about the back end and learning how to advise people and, and to help people and see, see people succeed. I was also starting to realize in myself that there were certain things that I still that still felt unsettled and that I still want 
wanted to do mm-hmm. as a dancer. I wanted, but I also have always wanted to like make my own work. I wanted to choreograph. I wanted, I love teaching. Like that's one thing that I would say that I love to do even apart from fitness. Like I love teaching dance. I love teaching like pretty much ages like 14 and up. I love doing, and I love sharing information. I also think that I learn so much from who I teach. And I was finding in the agency job that the more I was in it, the more I was doing, the less time I had. I mean, I went from teaching what, 14 to 16 classes at lit to like three. Yeah. If that, and Mm -hmm. that was hard for me because I really love teaching. And I, and I found that I wasn't seeing the people that I saw all the time that like I loved seeing and they couldn't make, make it to the three classes that I had. And then I was exhausted and like, honestly, an agent's, an agent's job, you don't sleep. Like you really don't like you have, I had like nightmares. Like, um, the, one of the main partners, uh, Jim, who is one of the main people that brought me in and he's incredible. Um, he like, anytime I would come in and I would look like kind of just like, like I hadn't slept. He like, he was like, how you doing buddy? (laughs) I'm like, well, I was like having nightmares that I didn't respond to this. Or he was like, well, welcome to the agent's life. You'll never sleep again. (laughs) Sort of thing. They really work so hard. I would say, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know all agents, but they really work so hard and you have to absolutely love that job to want to do it. You're not old at all. So I have to believe that there's a market for somebody in their early thirties. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm like, you know, yes, I want to dance. Um, but you know, I'm not, again, I'm not going to be trying to like do things that like as if I was like 21, you know, I mean, I I am aware of my age. I'm not saying I'm old, but I'm also not saying I'm young. Like there are certain things that hurt now, like that don't, that don't feel great. Or there are certain things that, you know, financially, like I'm not going to do, you know, just unless, unless I feel like it's a step in a direction that I think that is going to like behoove both parties, you know? Um, but there's also certain things in my life that I've always wanted to try. And I think that like, for me, getting back into dance, I, I get to do the thing I love, but it also opens doors to be able to like create my own work. And um, my boyfriend also is into film and creating his own work too. So we have ideas that we've always wanted to work on and we've always tried, but I never had time to do because of the agency right. and, and lit and everything. Um, so we want to make work together. And I also want to make my own work. I want to teach more. Um Like teach dance or teach teach fitness? Both. 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 Okay. Yeah. So I'm wanting to definitely get back into fitness. I just want to teach and I want, and I I mean, especially since now that I have like all of this sort of like information that I learned, I don't feel like it's this like deep secret I need to keep for myself to only have myself succeed. Like, I think that like everybody should know it. Like, I think if I can make three people's lives a little bit easier by just saying, Hey, like get better pictures. <laughs> yeah. Then y- there you go. Like that's that's a that's one that's one person I could help and like at the end of the day like do I want to do certain things on my dance list? Yeah. Well, again, something I'm thinking about is is you know, when you are creative and a performer and then you end up and I think I, at some point I was an agent assistant in my 20s. Mm. You know, you sort of think so to yourself. You know your, what I'm talking well, about. <laughs> yeah, and you think to yourself that, and it was insane because it was in Burbank, and I was living in Malibu or Santa Monica at the time, oh, and the drive was terrible, and I it was the I, hours worked till eight p.m. and then it took me an hour and a half to get home. It was awful. I guess sometimes you feel like, okay, well, if I'm around that energy, that'll be good for me, right? But it 
when you're really an artist, you're meant to be expressing yourself. Yeah. And so you feel squashed. Yeah. And I feel like you were feeling squashed for a while. I did. And you, I feel like you're just like ready to go. Hundred percent. Like yeah, I feel, I really, exciting. I feel like I was. I've been writing a lot more again, and one of the things I wrote was I literally felt like I, like I've never been so in love with dance in, in in a very long time. Like it feels like when I first moved to New York, and I was like, okay, New York, take me. Like, and I was like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. I feel the same way. Only I feel like I have more information and I have more knowledge, and yeah, I feel I like I actually know specific things that I want versus just being like arms wide open. Whatever I get, I get. Um, but yeah, I think it only like enhanced what I wanted to. And I think it's actually really funny because I think. And anyone that I told, even if I had met them that day or whatever, anyone that I told that that's what I did, they were like, huh, I don't really see you in an office. Like you have so yeah. much like energy, you know? And, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, it's cool. You know, I think I'm, I think it's exciting and all of this, but the, but definitely the regularity of it was really, really tough. And I think you're right. At the end of the day, if you're, if you're, not to say anyone in the off in an office isn't an artist, but if you're a certain kind of artist that needs to like create and move and do and 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 be and be out and experience, then it's only going to come in due time. Whether you do it a year after you've been sitting at the desk or two or however, it's going to come out. Yeah, you know. And I think in that regard, it's you know Instagram. It it you know it can be frustrating to sort of wait for an agent to sign you or it can be I mean it's hard and it's also really expensive to you know let's say you have a tv show idea Mm -hmm. um, or a short film Mm -hmm. it can be all that stuff is really expensive expensive. so in a way you know instagram can sort of be a short path to you know shoot a five-minute film on igtv and and get it out there yeah uh, same with dance. I mean, you don't have to be in a company. You don't have to be working for Beyonce. I mean, if you come up and choreograph something, you can just film you can it, share it and share it. Mm-hmm. In one hand, creatively, I think it's exciting. Mm-hmm. I just think for people, because we are so easily sort of lazy or manipulated mm. we can you know one if one if one is not careful they could literally sit on their ass and watch eight hours of netflix Absolutely. and three hours of useless igtv mm-hmm. so i think it's a curse and a it is a and i think it's kind of like what we said earlier it also comes down to like it really is coming down to like what you want to use it for. Well, it's being very intentional. It's yeah, and, and being also just being aware, like being yeah. aware of what's happening. Like I like I am fully aware when I know I'm staring at Instagram for like no good reason and I'm just like stalking people like for, again for no good reason, <laughs> yeah. you know. If you use it intentionally and you use it for a way to like the advantage of getting work out there. Like I know because I want to create my work own work and maybe possibly have my own sense of a company. Like I could create another Instagram profile just for that. And I, and I like knowing that I have that instead of having to pay maybe X amount of money in order to like premiere it some other way. You know, this is a, this is a way that has the ability to reach a ton of people, maybe get lucky and someone sees it that can actually like offer me a job. And that would be awesome too. You know, I think, I think now my mind is so much more geared towards that, that I want to just use it 
like no emotion attached try. I mean, that's really hard. Uh, but I would like to just take the emotion out of it and just use it in a way that I feel like I'm able to get what I want out of it. Like in a perfect world, what, what, what's going on like in a year from now? In a perfect world, um, I will have like put out my own work every month for a year. Okay. <laughs> Either collaborated with my boyfriend or just myself. Um, I'm dancing, working, and right. I'm teaching fitness and cool. being able to help people that way. That would be the perfect world in a year. And I mean, let's not be like fake. I want money. <laughs> yeah. I want to be able to like be self-sufficient and I live. feel like also you could teach other dancers how to better improve their lives. I would love, I mean, that's something that I, I mean, I think I've always backseated myself on that because I felt like, oh, because I didn't reach certain goals in my life that I didn't have, I wasn't accredited to do that. But yeah, that would be great. I mean, if I can help, that's why I loved the agency job because I got to help so many dancers and I, and I listened to them. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Dancers really also just want to be heard too. Yeah. I mean like, but not, Definitely not like in the office environment. No. But more like emotional support. Totally. I would love that. Because I've been there and I, I feel like I'm still climbing out of it and I'm still gonna hit hard days and and honestly, like you're not I think everyone, no matter what profession, like knowing that you're not alone and feeling like that and knowing that you aren't literally the only person and you don't feel crazy for thinking that right it always helps like anytime i've ever had anyone tell me that i've i've always been like okay i'm not crazy but i would i would like to help if i can well it feels like everybody has all their shit together you think yeah well i think everybody is so um and even when people let their guard down on social media it it it's still a reserved guard. Yeah, and it feels <laughs> like, as though they're doing it to get something. Mm-hmm. It, it, to me, it's really not fully unconditional. I, I don't right. want to like get too far down that rabbit hole. But, no, but um, I will say, is it? What if? What if someone is, and now we're just so jaded with people that do do that, right? That someone you're just—it's a natural inclination of thinking, oh, well, they're probably—that's probably not really how they feel. But what if it actually is? Yeah. I guess I I think what I'm discovering is that you just you don't know what to believe. No. It's tough. And I mean, and I feel like the way to really um believe somebody fully is to be around them and get to mm-hmm. know them. Have a real phone call. Yeah, have a real phone call. <laughs> yeah, like have more real conversations again. Yeah. Cuz that's usually when I know I guess if someone's post is like extremely genuine is if I know them, I know that they're not the type of person to say that. And if they did say that it's because they really felt the need to say it. And then I'm much more in support of it. But if I, if I don't know them, I mean, they could easily say that because they're trying to just get attention or, or not, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who they are. So I guess it comes down to knowing people, but you know, if you have like 2,000 or 10,000 followers, I guess you can't get to know yeah. <laughs> like everybody. Yeah. Unless you know that many people. Gosh, that's I cool. could keep talking, but. Legit. <laughs> um, I'm, do you like LA? I think I've grown. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I hate I think I hated it at first, um, but I think it was just because of my experiences and how I was feeling in myself. Uh, I miss New York, but I, I love my life currently in LA. Okay, good. Cool. 
Mm-hmm. I, I call you Lo. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's Lauren. It, yes, Lauren, but, but, but I always feel like I'm like in trouble because no one really calls me Lauren. Like okay. everyone on, like my Guam friends will call me Lorena. And oh, then cool. um, people dance and fitness, I feel like call me Lo. So. Yeah. Well, Lo, huh. freaking awesome talk. Yeah. This thank was you. really cool. It was a good Thursday. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're not working right now. So I know. You have the time to come like, over I, can, I can come over anytime. <laughs> yeah, you're like, that'll be a weekly podcast. <laughs> right. Like, here we go. <laughs> Just nights with Lo. <laughs> yeah. No, this is awesome. Um, you can be on, where, I'll say this in the intro just in case I'm, but I'm just, where, what's your Instagram handle? I'm forgetting. What's it called? Uh, it's at Lorena22. So L A U R E N A 22. Cool. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. You rock. Yeah. (laughs)